Cool. First time I did that. So, um, want ready to jump right into it or? Yeah. Uh, all right, man. What's going on, people? We are back with another episode helping our moms, dads, aunts, uncles, and weekend warriors uh, understand their body and uh, expedite the results uh, in a safe and efficient manner. Uh, with that said, last week, we talked about boxers and some of the issues that they deal with, whether that be back pains, hip pains, knee pains. And Antonio broke down some of the exercise that you can do to tend to them. And uh, today we'll focus specifically on baseball players and some of the things that he sees in working with that population, uh, whether that be injuries and strength training. Uh, so with that said, Antonio, good morning. What's going on? Uh, hey, good morning. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So today we'll talk more about uh, the baseball athlete, the baseball player. And that goes for anybody playing even softball, um, playing uh, baseball from, you know, t-ball, you know, to high school, to college, to just recreational, uh, to even just, you know, playing in adult leagues and stuff like that. So anyone who's, uh, who's listening or has uh, any, any sort of uh, relationship to someone who plays and, you know, overhead is something that you kind of need with throwing and that shoulder motion and stuff like that. So, this is definitely relatable to many different people uh, who, who just kind of get into it and stuff like that. So number one, um, what I see is is definitely from more of the young younger population, uh, you know, early high school, maybe late middle school, but early high school. Um, we see that they don't really stretch at all. You know, they, they don't really work into their flexibility. Um, and we know, like we, we mentioned in the past, how important certain areas of the body are designed for mobility right so like the hips are designed to be nice and mobile you know obviously your shoulder right is designed to move a lot mm -hmm. um and what we see sometimes is you know they they don't have the required motion in the hitler to you know, get the best out of their sport or out of throwing so um, they quickly kind of just go right into, they'll do like a basic, you know, warm up or something is they won't stretch at all, or they'll think like, you know, uh, you know, this is a stretch for 30 seconds, 30 seconds. And, you know, I'm, I'm warmed up, but I think, you know, going a little bit beyond that and making sure that they do have the, the required movement to go overhead. I see that they, you know, tend to get a little stiff with those motions. Um, so I'll definitely see that as kind of the, the the foundation to preventing injuries. Um, you know, just simply just making sure that you're you're having a proper warm up, you know, proper routine that you're doing before throwing. And again, this goes for this specifically for the youngsters who are in high school and maybe the early high school player, but as well for you know the adult who's about to throw with his son outside or something like that. Just, you know, spend some time, you know, going through, you know, just more than just one or two stretches, you know, get a nice warm up in there. So you're able to really benefit from from the from the activity. Um, so so that's that's kind of the area that I want to focus on is is our preparation. Right. Preparation is key. So getting into our mobility stretches, building up a little sweat, getting warmed up um doing some core stuff all those things i would say you know before we talk about common injuries let's talk about how do we prevent those common injuries because of course every sport has their common injuries um but let's 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 even go a little bit before that and say well how can we plan so we prevent these common injuries from happening 
And, you know, if it's, you're looking at a nice, building up a nice sweat, a nice little warm up, then you go into some, uh, some mobility drills just to loosen up. And then you go into some activation for core and, and whatever joint you're using. I feel like those three are better routine to prevent injuries than just kind of wait for the injury to happen and say, oh, well, shoulder injuries are common. Here's some shoulder stuff. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I love what you're saying about building up a sweat. I was telling my clients yesterday that uh, if they're not working out with me, when prior to their exercise, they should have a film on their body. They should be building up just a slight sweat before activation. And they're like, oh, I don't have the time for that. That's too much. That's its own workout in itself. I'm like, well, this is long-term health and, and, and longevity is what you need to be doing <clears throat> is building up a sweat prior to your exercise. So I love that you say that all, even yeah. the kids, especially the young kids, they're, uh, they're still elastic. So they don't really have too much concern. They don't have any aches and pains yet, but those things accumulate long-term to when they're in their mid thirties to where they start having all these aches and pains. So start early, start stretching. Yeah, that, that's that's the biggest thing is, um, you know, but it's like it's 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 knowing knowing how to do it, knowing why you're stretching, knowing which areas you need to stretch, what stretch to do in general. Right. Which which where to where to go, because that's the point. Like not many people know where they need to stretch or how they need to do it. Um, so I think, you know, letting kind of getting more specific with that. Um, will help them because yeah, you can easily just say yeah, you know, warm up a little bit, stretch and activate. Well, you know, what the heck does that mean, right? It's like you know, mm-hmm. so we have to provide that for them and and you know, instill that in them every time they're out there, so that it becomes um, you know, you want to at no, you want to just get that out there at nauseum, so they just hear that constantly from you saying that warm up, build up sweat. Where's your mobility at? And also activate. And you just keep repeating those three things to them. And now, you know, we we kind of get that to the coaches. We give that to their their parents. And everyone kind of is on board on that as well. So it's good communication throughout the, the whole the whole team who's controlling it. Absolutely. So uh, now let's say um, I'm a pitcher. I'm a pitcher. I'm pitching. You know, I'm a starting pitcher. I'm not a relief pitcher. I'm working like maybe every other five days. Maybe I'm a senior in high school. Um, do you have the names of certain stretches that I should be doing when I enter into either your facility or even on my own pregame? Are there some stretches that you would recommend right now off the rip that I, that I can maybe right put some, that, uh, some, some links and some clips to that they can see and go ahead and follow? So, um, I definitely like the, um, if you, if you type up hip cars, hip cars, controlled articular rotations, uh, hip cars. Uh, if you search shoulder cars, those are also, those are two really good ones. Um, I would start there because those are going to be, a, that's, that's a, there's a lot to unpack with those. Um, and what they're doing is, you know, in, in pitchers, especially um, in pitchers, honestly, we see that they have a lot of mobility, but they can't control it. So, for a pitcher, and, and the, the two stretches I gave you is just like general kind of, not specifically for, for a pitcher, but just someone who, you know, is an athlete and can benefit from hip and shoulder stretching, stretching and stuff like that. That's definitely a good area to start. Um, now to, to kind of get a little more specific for a pitcher, 
most of the pitchers we see have a lot of motion, right? Because they're here all the time, and they they actually develop a lot of mobility from the act of throwing. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we see now is they don't have the strength to to stabilize in that position. Essentially, they're throwing, but they're not really um, they're overworking the muscles here because they have a lot of mobility to control but they don't have the strength to control all what's going on up here. Mm-hmm. So what do we do? Well, I get them up here and I have them kind of hold this position, maybe with like a, a ball in their hand, have them do like figure eights a little bit, have them go against the wall. If the wall's in front of me, I have them kind of stabilized back and forth, keeping the elbow locked out and just like slow rhythmic kind of movements, just kind of building that stability around the shoulder joint mm-hmm. um what i also like is say if I'm, if I'm on my stomach and i have a like a block underneath my elbow i'll do like liftoffs here start here lift off hold it for like 10 seconds and then back down just so i'm really owning that position of that laid back position where i'm throwing i have to lay this is called the laid back position you know i have to get to that position but do I have the proper development of my rotator cuff to get to that position? So that's when these come in play where you just like go in your stomach, you're laying on your stomach and you just lift your hand off the floor, elbow stays on the floor and you just hold that position, you know, 10 seconds, 10 times. And that's a good indicator of your rotator cuff endurance. You know, uh, do you have that proper motion? Cause a lot of pictures I'll take them passively. I'm like, wow, you have all that motion. Oh, awesome. And then they try to do it on their own and they're like, oh, you know, they can't even get there. Yep. So that's a strength issue. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so uh, one of the things that I see, we'll, we'll, we'll move it down from the shoulder. We'll move it down further down into the elbow. One of the things that I've I've grown up with my own experiences is dealing with a lot of elbow pains. You've had uh, Tommy John surgeries and things like that. Uh, what sort of things do you deal with when, when working with the elbows and, and yeah. coming across people with elbow issues? Absolutely. So with elbow, so you have to look at wrist, uh, wrist supination, which is just like palms up mm-hmm. and elbow extension. So those are the two areas we want to see. Okay. So wrist extension, which is, which is, you know, uh, see my wrist kind of, I'm a little tight. It should be kind of more straighter. Um, and elbow extension. So these two areas, right? elbow extension and wrist extension. These are two areas that we see are extremely tight in baseball players. Mm-hmm. They get this like form tightness, you know, it's like, it's like a bowl of knots right in there. Mm-hmm. So I think that's an area that we locate with a lot of our pitchers and, and throwers who experience elbow pain. So we'll go to the wrist, you know, sometimes I won't even look at, I mean, I'll, I'll focus on elbow stuff and we'll definitely kind of loosen up around the elbow um, you know, make sure that it's, it's, it's getting a little bit better and, and maybe do some soft tissue there and, you know, some isometrics for tricep, maybe elbow flexion, build up their tolerance to, to the tendon around the joint there with maybe some isometrics, mm-hmm. but I will be looking at the wrist and making sure that wrist is extending, you know, is it, do we have full supination as well of that, you know, of that, of that wrist and elbow? Mm-hmm. Um, because when we're throwing, we go straight into pronation and wrist flexion. So we're doing that repetitively and those forearm flexors should get tight. So, you know, just go out there, tell them to kind of stretch into wrist extension and, and supination with 
uh, elbow extension, get into that, you know, against the wall with some mesh stretches as well. You can get into those things. But um, looking at that is, is very important and um, goes a long way if you start early and you attack it, you know, on a consistent basis. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll, that could also be coming from the whole chain. You know, that could be coming not only just from the wrist, it's probably something from the legs to the core. It's almost 100% like your the ability of your core strength to control the force coming from your leg to your arm. So, you know, I, I of course, I'll look at the arm and kind of clean that up. Obviously, you know, wrist motion and elbow motion. But again, we'll go right back to the kinetic chain of legs to core to arm and say and have them maybe bring in some video of them throwing maybe or just uh look at how they move and we can then you know make up a game plan and say well you know when we're throwing you know i see you kind of arching your back and you have this rib flare you know i know a lot of the pro baseball players i know Corey kluber works on this all the time with mm -hmm. with eric cressy on his rib flare where when he's when he's working out and stuff like that he's constantly making sure that he's not just opening up his rib cage, he's staying closed down there so he doesn't lose any energy mm -hmm. and he's able to just get quickly to the, to the throw. Um, so a lot of that is, is in the adolescence. We see that it's not so much, um, it's not so much that they, um, you know, have the, they, that they, they, they have like the, they don't have the ability to throw with the velocity or with the accuracy. It's more that they just don't have the mechanics and the form to continue doing that. Um, that's the difference that you see from like the pro level to like the, the, the high school level is, you know, the high school level athlete just, you know, doesn't have that, that mechanics, the, the form and the mechanics okay. as precise as the pro does. Um, and the pros, their mechanics, they're able to keep this, uh, they're able to keep this down. They're able to keep the rib flare from coming up there. they everything is engaged here. And they're able to get on top of the ball, kind of, you know, almost, you know, not overwork the arm at that point. So sometimes elbow pain is usually just, you know, overusing your shoulder because you're not getting the requisite strength coming from your core. Um, and so the shoulder's like, well, you know, I'm not getting any strength from my core. So now I'm going to have to cock back a little bit more. I'm going to have to rotate a little bit more and guess at the end of the chain, the elbow's like, you know, I'm getting the, uh, the end of the stick here yep. because not because the shoulder is weak. It's because your core isn't stabilizing you. Mm -hmm. So you have to twist more at the shoulder, which causes more torque at the elbow. And now we have this whole thing. Hips, glutes, quads, core, all of it coming together, keeping it tight, keeping it all supporting that rotation. Absolutely. So, so young high school players, should they be developing when they're in their weightlifting programs, uh, their exercise programs? I know a lot of it, especially being a young athlete myself, it was all based on power. I didn't really learn too much about um, the core and all of that stuff, engaging the core and, and just the form and the technique of my training. It was all just about getting strong, big biceps, big chest, big legs, big... Um, when they're coming in to see you when they're working out, are they mainly focusing on the technical aspect of their, sh of their exercise? 
They're working on the they yeah they're, they're yeah I'm putting I'm putting them in the position so I'm putting them in maybe if they're righty I'm putting them in like a um, like a left reverse lunge kind of like when you finish as a pitcher right you know when you're in that phase you know you have your 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 left leg is probably forward right you stepped with the left your right arm is up you're almost in this kind of type of lunge thing so I'll I'll put them in that position and I, I'll do some payoff presses with them there. I'll do some, I'll get them in this position and have them do some, you know, end range liftoffs there. Mm. Um, I'll have them focus on uh, keeping, keeping um, the rib cage down with like a little pelvic tuck there just to make, just to emphasize their rib cage down as they move their arm up at the same time into some sort of pattern. Very nice. um, so yeah. Yeah, we're going. We're attacking. We're attacking. Uh, you know, going right to their their problem, right to where you know, right to where they kind of come up here. Rib cage comes up. Oh, let's let's stop there. Let's go before that. Let's come here. Ribs down. Okay, hold the rib down there, and now come up and down five times. You know, so now they're just they're not bypassing it. They're going. You know, before the movement, starting with the basics, and you know, layering strength on top of that. I love that. I could really, really visualize exactly what it is that I'm working on and engaging, especially with the ribs down, engaging my core. I can, I can truly see it. So I hope anyone else who's listening, you could also visualize it. If you can, we'll put some, uh, I'll put some pictures up in the videos on YouTube so you can see exactly what it is that he's talking about. If you also can't visualize it, but moving on, um, one of the things that I also noticed with, with, uh, I'm not sure if it's position players, uh, pitchers as well, but I believe it's mainly with position players and swing oblique issues. They have some oblique tears, oblique strains. What, yeah. Why do they get that? And what is it that they can do strength-wise to help with it? Yeah, so I, I think oblique strains happen. Um, maybe they, they can happen a, a few ways. You know, if if you're if you're if you're like not really warmed up fully, um, if you if you're if you're going into hitting. Off season, I, I see obliques in like it's like either in the beginning of the season or at the end of the season, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's like the beginning of the season because you you just got into swinging, you know. You, you now you're doing, you know, you went from not doing anything in the off season or maybe whatever once a week of, of some cage work to you know t work t work and cage work and, and and live pitching, you know, three four times a week. You know, now you, you instead of like ten to thirty swings a week, you're doing you know, 100 to 200 swings a week, that gradual, that, you know, quick progression, it's not gradual, that quick progression could lead to that overuse in the oblique. So mm -hmm. um, that that's more in that, like, early season where you, you just, it's, it's too early, too soon, um, just too much too soon type of thing where it's, you, you just, that repetitive motion maybe you're not used to and that can kind of lead to it. So that, how do we prevent that? Just making sure that you're, you're programming you're starting with just, you know, a few swings a day. You don't have to overdo it. You know, start with no bat maybe, just kind of just getting into the movement first. Um, Payoff presses are great for that, you know, where you're just here holding. You know, you don't even have to rep it out. In the beginning, I just have the athletes who have these issues, I have them just hold it for 10 breaths, making sure their exhale is audible. I want to hear that exhale because guess what? Your oblique muscles, 
they do exhale, right? Just like your bicep does arm curling, you know, your obliques, they, they do that. So every time you hear me exhale, that's my obliques contracting. Um, so I want to make sure I hear that. Uh, I'll have them do that early on. And then, you know, I, I'll make sure that they're gradually doing more isometrics, right? That's why we're doing payoff pressing and holding, you know, holding for 10 breaths, which is accumulation of almost, you know, 45 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so holding that 45 seconds, you know, I'd start maybe with a regular plank first, basic, just 30 seconds, five times, just hold that position, then maybe going into a side plank and seeing if they can tolerate that, you know, modify it on the knees first, see if they can just hold that position. Mm -hmm. So for the first couple of weeks, I'm just holding. We're not doing any rotation yet. You know, we're not doing any rotation. The rotations would get you into trouble because you did it too early and too soon. You know, it was too much too soon of it. So we want to take the rotation away, but just do the isometric. So stabilize it without rotating. Um, So we don't rotate early on. We just kind of build up the endurance back into it and then you know after four to six weeks maybe even six weeks because that's what it takes to build up basic strength um you know because after an injury your muscles kind of go on vacation they kind of they protect they get weak they get tight so we have to do a strength program six to eight weeks of just building basic strength so this will look like payoff press holds side plank hold plank holds you know, you can get into your lunges, um, you can get into your squats, you can get into your single leg squats, you can get into, um, you can get into some, uh, what else? You can probably get into any sort of rowing activities that's always good for building up back and, and core health. Mm-hmm. And all the while, you're keeping this new foundation of ribcage down that this is the new thing. Everything is core. You're not just waiting to do your planks at the end of the workout. Everything is core. When you're rowing, you're still feeling it. So, you know, still incorporating that, doing that for six to eight weeks. And then at that six to eight week mark, we start, you know, incorporating some rotations and see how we feel. And depending on the athlete, we'll progress them gradually in that in that range and see how they're doing with that. And slowly do that for another three, four weeks of just rotating with bands, rotating with the payoff press, you know, now maybe doing a thread the needle, you know, with the side plank. And now they're moving a little bit more with obliques. Then we'll do some dry swings. How they, do they feel with dry swings? You know, make sure they're measuring that 24 hours and that night. You know, making sure that their their soreness doesn't exceed like a four or five out of ten because that means that you're, you're you're you did a little too much. Mm-hmm. Um, do that for like three or four weeks, and then you know keep gradually getting back to live swinging, and then measuring how they feel with that. That's perfect. That's beautiful. Uh, do you recommend um, the professional athlete? They they are doing that with their with their training teams and things like that and their own training programs. But a uh, young high school player, young collegiate athlete, are you? Do you recommend that they maintain uh, a workout program, workout routine during yeah. the season? Yeah. So yeah, season? absolutely. Um, so in season, there's these things called the oblique slings. So oblique slings are these diagonal patterns that run throughout the body from the front side. It's, it's, it's my, it's like my pec, my internal obliques, my core to my adductor. And on the back side, it's my, my lat muscle to my glutes, to my other side obliques. 
So it's these it's these cross patterns that happen throughout the body, front side and back side, that kind of work together. Especially in in any athletic sport, um, especially in like you know all sorts of even in, in walking. Walking is the same thing, right? Every time I take a step, you know my right arm comes forward, right? That's a little peck. That's some oblique action on the right side, and my left leg comes forward, and that is some hip flexor, some adductor on that side. So it's that 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 sling, and it's constantly working back and forth. Um, so, you know, during, during the in-season work, um, you know, I like to kind of do the opposite, you know, if they're doing a lot of, if they're just a righty, they're doing a lot of left rotation, I like to do some right rotation a little bit and get them the opposite way, Absolutely. you know, so just to balance them out a little bit mid-season, um, you know, especially you got to just look at their load, like what are they doing, you know, are they playing three times a week, are they playing only once a week? Are they playing four times a week? Are they on four different teams? Um, it really depends on the athlete. And then based on that, we'll, we'll come up with an in-season program where, you know, maybe we're doing the opposite rotation. Maybe we're, you know, jumping off the, the leg that they're not used to jumping off of. Maybe we're, you know, doing stuff with their left arm rather than their right arm. Um, you know, maybe we're, we're doing some basic strengthening, like by some, some basic bench pressing some basic rowing right two arm stuff because in season it's all one arm stuff great mm -hmm. one arm one arm one arm maybe we're doing bilateral rows maybe we're doing bilateral pushing two arms two arms everything and then you know when we get to their off season that's maybe where when we'll go when we'll continue more bilateral stuff and then gradually get to single arm and single leg stuff as they approach their season again and then again vice and then the whole cycle repeats itself that's uh that's amazing uh with that said people we are currently we are out of time um just to touch on the points people stretch and uh, post stretch you have a nice film in your body a nice sweat focus on your on your flexibility focus on your core engagement and balance out your work whether it is like you're saying you're doing your single leg side make sure you're doing the other side make sure you're working on your body body in a balanced and uh full rounded way uh so that were the the highlights of this episode so please go back check it out because i believe that antonio has hit so many cues for all of the young athletes professional athletes uh mom dads who want to be active with their children on sundays on saturdays uh, everyone can utilize and benefit from the information that he just provided so please go back listen to the episode and utilize some of the things that at the boxing doc is is helping us with. Um, don't forget he's working over at ProMet PT at the boxing doc on Instagram. You can follow him and support him and what he's got going on. Follow me over at Kinetic Remedy. We'll have much more coming for you, Antonio. With that said, yeah. So that was great. Um, yeah, awesome. So I think that's the big big takeaways is is uh, is definitely is definitely to have that proper warm up. Um, and making sure that you know you're you're there's this we have a YouTube um, a YouTube page promapt.com or on YouTube promapt.therapy where you can go and look at some of these stretches. They there's a couple of what we mean by this rib cage down idea, and if you need to like kind of visualize it, they go right to the promap physical therapy page, and there'll be some videos there that you can watch to kind of start practicing that. Um, but yeah, just think, you know, sometimes the area of injury, right? The area that you're feeling pain, it's sometimes not the area that we need to treat, right? We sometimes need to look at 
the other areas surrounding that area and kind of see what's going on there to help with that. So uh, just make sure that, you know, you ask us any questions and, and keep that keep that open minds as you as you go through your sport, as you go through your exercise, as you engage in your health and try to become the best version of yourself that you can. So we'll see you guys next time. And hopefully, uh, you know, we'll get some feedback and see what else we can improve on. Sounds good. Thank you, brother. Have a great day. Everyone have a great day. Yeah.